Happy birthday to me. It's my birthday, you guys. Friday, March 1st. Woot, woot. I'm 10. No, I'm not 10. I'm 20. No, I'm not 20. I'm I'm never telling you how old I am and all the Google searches are wrong. <laughs> and now here's where I ask you to join the Patreon for my birthday. <laughs> Come on, bitch, 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 let's go. <laughs> So I can't help but notice a strange correction happening in the energy. I don't know what it is, but I know it's happening. I can feel it. I sense justice in some things occurring and bad things that have been hidden for a long time being brought into the light. And then I'm also seeing some pretty bad people get away with stuff that makes me sad inside. So this makes me wonder what's happening in the universe, which is obviously too great for my brain to comprehend. But I thought I would do a show about it. And in some way, I was going to tie it to our usual celebrity and reality TV things that we know and love. You know, I like to use often lighter topics to create thought and make impressions on people's lives that otherwise potentially I couldn't. So today is a show I hope you enjoy. I've invited Thea from Your Moms Are Watching to spill some tea in the show. But before we get started on all that fun, and believe me, you're going to learn a lot about some behind the scenes related to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Salt Lake City, and Vanderpump Rules, surprisingly. Thea's proximity to the entertainment industry because she worked with Julia Roberts and partied in LA at the same time I did makes her have a lot of industry contacts like I have. Friends that don't mind telling the truth when asked, and that makes her and my collabs all the more fun. And today will be no different as you get some real juicy AFT. Often I know things that I don't always share, and they're really crucial things to some of the stuff that you guys are discussing. Today I'm going to share a secret that only the original patrons have known. <laughs> The secret I'm going to share with you today is going to make you understand the level and scope of the injustice of working for Bravo. But beyond that, it's going to show you why there can never be a union and all the conversations that everyone is having is bullshit. <laughs> Until something happens, which I'm going to tell you today on the show in a little bit. But before we get started, I want to start with Tommy Manzo. Now, Tommy Manzo, you might remember from Real Housewives of New Jersey sphere, he was married to Dina Manzo, who's now married again in 2017 to a man named Dave Canton, who's like a investment guy, and she's doing really well and super happy. But it wasn't without sacrifice, because let me tell you, Tommy Manzo did his best to intimidate Dina Manzo, use her sister Caroline Manzo again, 
against her. And everybody wonders why Caroline Manzo didn't go up against Tommy Manzo for Dina Manzo. Well, I would say that it probably has something to do with some of the connections that Caroline Manzo knows Tommy Manzo has with the mob families around New Jersey and New York City because it could put her and her family in danger. And I have always thought that from the very beginning, and I want to use this opportunity to share this with you. Dina Manzo's husband, Tommy Manzo, you may remember in 2015, went and reached out to a member of the Lucchese crime family, which is one of the most lethal crime families, top five in New York and in New Jersey. And he asked this member of the Lucchese crime family to hurt David Canton on his behalf in vengeance towards either Dave Canton or Dina Manzo, his ex-wife. Now, like all mobsters, John Perna doesn't do favors like this for free. He's a valued member of the Lucchese crime family. He had a wedding coming up with 330 guests, many of which were members of the Lucchese crime family, and he wanted to have a lavish wedding at the Brownstone, in which is a very upscale venue in New Jersey that that the Manzos are owners of. The triumphant return. I left the brownstone just because I want to try some other things and enjoy myself um, where Al still doesn't know how to have fun. And that sucks. And anyway, a deal was struck up for a deep discount in return for Perna hurting Dave Canton. So he takes a guy and a slapjack. If you don't know what a slapjack is, it's like a baton. It's designed for blunt force. And he goes to assault Dave Canton. And Dave Canton gets hurt in front of this strip mall on July 18, 2015. They do the attack, just as Tommy asked. And in return, Tommy gives John the 300-plus guest wedding reception that he requested at the Brownstone. So Tommy does get arrested for being the person who actually planned this and hired John, because he's guilty for that. And he gets federal charges brought against him for violent crime in aid of racketeering, conspiracy to commit assault with a dangerous weapon, assault resulting in serious bodily injury, and falsifying records. So a judge, a U.S. district judge named Susan Wingenton, recently in the last like two or three weeks, decides that because of the COVID-19 pandemic, that there was a significant trial delay. And as a result of that and the case complexity and Tommy switching lawyers, there was a violation to the Speedy Trial Act, which sets deadlines for federal criminal proceedings. And she dismissed his case. And you must be like me. Like I've never heard of such a miracle happening to someone in a criminal proceeding like this. Like, I mean, break out the pigs flying and the unicorns in the backyard. Well, the one good thing is she does without prejudice. And so as a result of that, the prosecution can start all over from scratch and go for an indictment against him again. But they have to rebring the entire case all over and it's a big deal. It's like three years, four years away. So this made me want to look at a little bit this U.S. District Judge Susan Wengenton. I don't know if I'm even saying her name right, but it turns out that her husband, Kevin Wengenton, almost got disbarred in the state of 
of New Jersey for the fact that he maybe mishandled a trust account? Hmm, that's interesting. A state ethics panel recommended that Red Bank solo Kevin Wedgington, husband of U.S. District Judge Susan Wedgington, be censored for his admitted misappropriation in 2011 of client trust funds, rejecting a special master's class for a four-month suspension. Well, I guess he took care of that whole situation and probably turned over a new leaf and never touched client money ever again inappropriately because my goodness, his wife's a judge for crying out loud. Let me tell you a little bit more about the crime family that Tommy Manzo is involved with just to understand the seriousness of this family. Okay, this is back in the early 90s, what I'm reading you. There were several choices for replacement leaders. Eventually, Vittorio, little Vic, Amuso, took over as boss, and Anthony Gaspipe Casso became the underboss. They ushered in a violent new era, at one point trying to put a hit out on the entire New Jersey faction of the family, referred to as the Whack Jersey Order. Amuso and Casso were reported to have ordered the murders of anyone who opposed them, even violating the mob's code by perpetrating violence against mobsters' wives, children, and other relatives. This escalation led them to rule in secrecy from an unknown location with Alfonso, Little Al, Darko becoming their representative as acting boss for eight months in 1991 when they made Darko himself one of their targets. He became the first acting boss of a family to become a government informant. His testimony at 16 trials helped convict of a score of associates, including Amuso in 1992 and two NYPD detectives in 2005 who were accused of moonlighting as hitmen for the family. Wow, NYPD cops. Can you imagine moonlighting as hitmen, assassins for mafia gangster families? I mean, it's a lot. Now, I used to hear stories that, you know, the mob bosses would never hurt women and children unless they were going to rat them out. And if you did hurt a woman or child, you were to be murdered. That was what you would sacrifice in return for doing that. Because there is a code of a certain amount of dignity for mob families where they see themselves as not just killers, they see themselves as businessmen. And they have rules of conduct because they're not animals. Never ran on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. And that's really important if you're from the Italian-American mob family vibe. You didn't want to become like the cesspool murderer or whatever. You were functioning at this higher level. You did what needed to be done. It was business-related, and there was respect and dignity, and the way that it was handled was properly with procedure, like a company. So to hurt women and children to some of the old-school mob bosses were considered a last resort a crime punishable by death because you've actually insulted the reputation of the family with the action. Unfortunately, over the years, as time has gone by, less and less crime families function under this code. And I'm sure this has to do with the fact that the crime family's business has moved more from gambling and logistics towards drugs. So they're facing horrible cartel drug trafficker dealers. 
that are like next level evil. And sadly, this is what made them so popular in the movies. In the movies, the reason people loved to watch gangster films was there was this code that everybody was functioning in that was super entertaining to watch. And although there were bad guys and they did horrific things, they seemed to have elements or characteristics that people respected and looked up to in entertainment industry, not in real life, right? Like in a movie. But that's gone. It's all gone. And it's It's really hard for me to watch mob movies now because I used to love them. And now when I watch them, I get sad because I think, oh, they become like cartels. You know, they're not even like the old school moments where they'll die for the loyalty of their family or something, you know, that there was, I guess, a little bit inspirational in this dark culture that these people have to exist in to make money because it's their family business. But needless to say, I wanted to bring that in today so you would understand that it's really dangerous for people that are actually interacting with these families. And I've spoken to women who've been very afraid of Tommy Manzo. Well, thank goodness the prosecutors have said that they intend to re-indict Tommy Manzo for the 2015 crime. So we'll see if that actually happens and plays out. Because if you guys don't remember, in 2017, Dina Manzo's husband and herself get tied up and held by two masked robbers in an attack. This is now Dave Canton's second attack orchestrated by Tommy Manzo. And Dave Canton is beaten up and so badly that he has to go to the hospital. And the intention was that Tommy Manzo wanted to see him scarred on the face for life. This was one of his big things he wanted to have happen for Dave. Oh, and also, of course, beat him up with the baseball bat. Now, Dina Manzo is in California now, but she had come down to New Jersey to go to the first communion party for Dina's goddaughter, who's Adriana Judice. Yes, the daughter of Real Housewives of New Jersey, Teresa Judice. And when they get back, there's intruders in the house and this attack happens. And allegedly the guy says, this is what happens when you fuck with people from Patterson. They took 500 bucks or engagement ring and beat him up. The feds did a four-year probe and they ultimately uncovered that Manzo's role was that he was stalking both of them. And his motivations for robbery and assault was to essentially have at least up to what happened. And there's still another assailant that they never caught in this crime. They only got the main guy, Jimmy Balls, Manello. So Jimmy's facing 20 years in prison for this, and he's been indicted. And Tommy Manzo also has been indicted in regards to this incident now, and he's facing a bunch of years. And so this one's still outstanding. A lot of people are getting confused between the 2015 incident and the 2017 incident. And so that is why I wanted to cover it today on the show. This one is still happening and in process and down the line. So we'll have to see. Last I heard, Tommy was trying to negotiate a plea deal late last year. Usually that happens about six months out from your actual jury trial. And I don't know when that is. I know Tommy Manzo got indicted uh, separate to Jimmy Balls. So Jimmy Balls might 
go to jail first and be sentenced first. And then, you know, they'll deal with Tommy Manzo according to what happens with Jimmy Balls. But in the midst of all of this, we've got a family completely nuked by all this violence. We've got Dina Manzo estranged from her sister, Caroline Manzo, because Caroline wrote a letter of support for Tommy Manzo, which was a betrayal to her sister, Dina Manzo. In the letter, Caroline asked for Tommy to be released from holding to await his trial. And her son said, my mother wrote a letter based on the character of my uncle as we know him. That's what Albie said on his podcast. The facts, as we've seen them, as we know him in his life, it's about one thing, is he a threat to society? Well, I I mean, I don't know if I'd be writing him a support letter after all this, which leads me to believe Caroline Manso might have been afraid of some of Tommy's friends if she didn't play ball and support Tommy and all this. Just saying, if he asked me specifically to write a letter, and I know his ties to these crime families, I'd probably write him a letter too, but I'd be telling my sister on the sly, listen, I've got to look out for my sons, you know, I can't have a problem. You've got Dina Manzo, who is trying to protect her man, Dave Canton, and Dave Canton keeps getting actually physically beat up by just being with Dina Canton for no other reason. And this is all happening because Tommy Manzo has a vengeance for Dina and won't let it go. And all these mob guys are going to prison forever for Tommy Manzo's like vengeance over we don't even know what, right? It's pretty insane. All these people nuked because of what? (laughs) Uh, but Dina and David have to be living in fear with this going on, at least in California, they're far out of the mix, but it's awful. And I felt for Dina Manzo a lot, you know, that she is still living in fear of Tommy Manzo. And, you know, until he's indicted again on these 2015 charges, you know, he, it feels like he's gotten away with something. And I guess this brings me full circle as to why the mob had the rules that they had about women and children and all this. And it was because of this exact thing, because too often men use their power within a company to hurt someone they love because they're angry and it serves no purpose for the larger corporation to be losing soldiers and all this stuff in the process of pursuing someone's jealous rage. And I actually think that's why the mob bosses had that code, because they were smart like that. They knew that men tend to function from a place of rage, especially men that are in the mob over women issues and this and that. And they didn't want their crime family to be taken down because of such petty bullshit. But I guess the newer generations don't see it that way. I think you've got problems. What about Jeannie's kid? He was in an argument, a lousy $10 card game. He pulls out a gun. The gun goes off. Some kid gets killed. When the grandmother hears it and finds out he's in jail, she has a heart attack. She drops dead right on the spot. Now Jeannie has a husband and a son in jail and a mother in the funeral parlor. But anyway, let's hope that they go back to their old ways. I mean, let's just hope that they at least function under some ethical code that they have obviously abandoned, which you can see with the situation with Dina Manzo. And Dina, I certainly hope this helps. All right, enough about that. Let's get Thea in here and start some gossip, shall we? You are looking fabulous. Thank you. I try. Not that hard. I just am.
Thea, this is an incredibly urgent reach out. How are you, first of all? I'm great, doing great. I'm so glad to hear it. There's been so much happening in gossip land. I feel like I'm eating popcorn at like 100 million miles a second. We are being fed right now. On so many different fronts. It's so true. I can't get over it. Before we get into some tea that you and I have been kind of discussing, I know you've got some incredible insight in, you know, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and Vanderpump Rules. But I wanted to talk to you about all this stuff going on before we begin with that with Andy Cohen. And all the Bravo celebrities that are coming for him. I'm dying to hear your thoughts on that. For you guys who don't know, and you live under a rock, <laughs> in the last, you know, two weeks, Caroline Manzo has sued Shed Media and NBC and Bravo regarding uh, sexual harassment allegations to do with Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Morocco. Uh, Leah McSweeney has made allegations against Andy Cohen and the production companies and producers that she felt pressured to drink alcohol with an alcohol issue and possibly some mental health issues they weren't being conscious about. And dropped some bombshells that she was told by sources that Andy Cohen does cocaine with some of the housewives. And that if you party with Andy Cohen in that extra special way, you get extra special treatment. And then there's Renee Posh, who sued Netflix uh, for the same kind of thing that's happening in the Bravo landscape. She said the following. My experience on Love is Blind was traumatic. I felt like a prisoner and had no support when I left Delirium, knowing that I didn't feel safe. Posh said in a statement... I tried to deal with these emotions over time and eventually felt like I needed to share what had happened. I felt it was only right to let others know the truth of what all the castmates had to endure. In return for this, I'm now being sued for $4 million despite earning only $8,000 for my participation on the show. And then, of course, the newest one, Rachel Levis suing Ariana Maddox and Tom Sandoval for revenge porn, essentially, to summarize. Uh, here's number 24 and 25 of this case. I'm going to quickly read it to you. Levis is informed and believes, and on such information and belief alleges, that the explicit videos were recorded by Sandoval without her knowledge or consent in or around February 2023. The two videos Levis has seen depict her in a state of un dress and masturbating. However, given Sandoval's apparent practice of secretly recording their video calls, Levis has every reason to assume there are additional illicit videos and or photographs of her that she has not yet seen. Number 25, Levis is informed and believes and on such information and belief alleges that Maddox obtained at least two illicit videos of Levis and distributed them and or showed them to others without Levis's knowledge or consent. At a minimum, Maddox circulated the illicit videos to herself and Levis. She also immediately informed production about what she had found in addition, many other individuals have demonstrated intimate familiarity with the contents, leading Levis to believe the circle of recipients is wider. Oh, here's a juicy new part of the story we haven't heard yet. Number 26, on the night of March 1st, Levis was in New York with another cast member, Sheena Shea, taping Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. Wait. 
Having finished filming, Levis and Shay were at a bar when Levis received a text message from Maddox, you are dead to me. Alongside the message were the two videos of Levis that Maddox had purportedly discovered on Sandoval's phone. Levis experienced a swirl of emotions in response, including shock and fear. Shock because she did not know Sandoval had recorded pornographic videos of her. Fear because these videos were now in the hands of someone who hated her guts and was out for blood. She was terrified Maddox would leak them on the internet. (laughs) Oh my goodness, listen to this, you guys. Reacting to the revelation in apparent shock and anger, Shay violently assaulted Levis, shoving her aggressively into a brick wall, punching her in the face, and throwing her phone into the street. The blow to Levis's face caused a rupture above her left eyebrow and severe swelling and bruising above her left eye. Levis was told by a treating physician that her busted brow would permanently scar. Shaken, Levis flew home the next day and informed her family of what was happening. Whoa, that part we didn't hear. That's like a play-by-play of like an assault. Now, why didn't she sue Sheena Shea in this, right? I guess they wanted to keep it targeted on the porn. And then lastly, we've got Brandi Glanville, who finally nuked her relationship with NBC Bravo and Andy, like an abusive ex you can't get away from. Uh, She finally pulled the trigger and said that she was sexually harassed by Mm -hmm. Andy Cohen when he did a FaceTime call with her, uh, which I'm going to quickly read, and then I'm dying for you to talk to you. So just one second, let me read this. According to sources who have seen the video, Cohen started the message by addressing the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills alum, saying, hey, Brandy, what's up, girl? We're just thinking about you. So yeah, me and Kate are going to have some hot sex and wanted to know if you wanted to watch. You know, a little menage a trois. Both Cohen and Kate Chastain, who is the other person who was going to participate in this imaginary threesome, were then heard laughing with the latter adding, yeah. Cohen continued, so FaceTime us back. Okay, girl, love you. Then Chastain added, love you, bitch. Glanville is then said to have messaged back, I will bring my hot dildo. (laughs) Jesus. So uh, the grounds for this sexual harassment is really that Andy Cohen is in a position of power, supervisory role over Brandy on some of her jobs. I don't know if he was actively overseeing her with Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Morocco, but her claim is that because he's a supervisor over her, that making any kind of joke like that drunk or otherwise is a violation of an HR rule, and therefore she has a claim. And because it's sexual harassment, it's going to climb up the legal ladder much quicker than if there wasn't that component. So if you were wondering why she might have focused on that, besides it being a great subliminal F you to Andy Cohen, who didn't help her in her sexual harassment lawsuit with Caroline Manzo, it also will help get it heard quicker in the court system. Take it away, Thea. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm slightly biased because my friend represents um, Brandy as one of my best friends as her publicist. But it just means I have seen both sides of this, of that whole situation. Like I got the story about Ultimate Girls Trip from Brandy and then also kind of the context behind her lawsuit. And I do think it's interesting uh, when it comes to (laughs) Leah and her case, I do feel like it's Obviously, both of them have sour grapes, right? Like, clearly, all the people that have come forward for Andy are employed by Bravo. These two 
Leah and Brandy are not. So right away, right out the gate, you're understanding that these people have no livelihood when it comes to Bravo. So they can go out there and do their money grab or make their moral points. And there's not going to be any repercussions because they're not employed. Whereas the housewives like Cynthia, et cetera, are, are have an ongoing relationship with Bravo. So they have every reason to come forward and say, well, we've never experienced that. Plus they probably haven't experienced it because Andy does party as we all know <laughs> with certain housewives. Now what's funny to me is the power that they're giving Andy in terms of Dina, you know, he's not out there editing the show. He's not giving more airtime to certain housewives because they did blow with him. I mean, he just doesn't have that kind of control. He's seeing the episodes before we do, but other than that, he doesn't have the kind of creative control. Now, of course, there's housewives he favors, but who knows if that came first and then the offering them blow came second or other way around. I don't know. I think that claim from Leah was, is a little bit dubious. And in terms of Brandy and that FaceTime from Kate and Andy, I actually am on Brandy's side in the fact that there is a power structure here that you can't ignore. And when you have power over someone in terms of hiring and firing, which Andy does have a certain amount of control as to who goes on these shows, who he pushes forward to, to NBC Universal and the respective production companies. So there is an element of power. And as we all know, if anyone's ever worked in a corporate environment, you cannot make jokes to your employees about having a three-way with them it's just not you can't do that so I do feel like you cross the line with that FaceTime as much as he was kidding as much as Brandy is a hot mess as much as she's probably made the same jokes she's not in power over them to hire or fire them so when you get a FaceTime like that it can, I couldn't see how it would make her feel uncomfortable do I think that she was traumatized by it no of course it's Brandy but I think people aren't giving Brandy the kind of grace that they would give had it were it someone else because she is a mess and they could see how it would go both ways and they could see how she would go too far with Caroline Manzo and all that. And we all can see that. We've all seen her on the show. We, we know she drinks a lot, but I don't know. I do feel like that, that one has merit. I, I believe that's probably why her lawyer and I know who her lawyers are. I know that my friend who's her publicist, her very good friend is her immediate lawyer. Now I know she has like Mark Garagos named and all those people, but come on, she's not talking to Mark Garagos every day. Her immediate lawyer is good friends with Brandy and my friend. And he's probably advising her that this is your biggest legal claim is that you were sexually harassed. And I do, I do feel like there's merit to that. I don't feel like there's any merit to any of what Leah said, because it's true. You can't, you can't blame anyone else. You can only blame yourself. Come on. If you drink in the show, there are a lot of very successfully sober Bravo lebs that have maintained their sobriety in the exact same working environment that Leah did that have not drank. Phaedra is a great example my friend's other client, she has never drank in the same environment, the same toxic, everyone's getting drunk environment. She has abstained from drinking. So it is possible to do it. Of course, the environment propagates alcohol use. Leah was hilarious when she was drunk on that show. I'm sure the producers love that. But does she have a legal case? I don't think so. I don't know. I think the only one that I've seen so far in all of these legal documents was Brandy's sexual harassment. When I do think there's legs there, I do think you can't send that kind of video to your to your subordinate. Very interesting take. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of digesting it all. How do I feel about that? I feel like either Bravo has responsibilities and Andy and production has responsibilities as a supervisor over a quote unquote staff member or they don't. Right. And yeah. so, so if Brandy's situation is correct and a joke can't be made that has sexual connotations because it's a workplace type conversation, because that's your supervisor, then the same could be said 
about Leah's situation in that there were several times during Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip that the cast was telling her that she's more fun drunk that they were definitely promoting the drinking and the producers could have said stop that to the cast because she's got a known drinking problem and she's an alcoholic. But they didn't. They not only let it happen, they left it in the edit so we could all witness it. And in addition to that, if you have a responsibility not to joke about sex with your employee or staff or cast member, then you also have a responsibility to protect their mental health and their addiction and all these other things. Now, I'm going to tell you where there's a problem in all this, and I'm going to anchor it in something other than opinion. Are you ready? Ready. I'm about to share a huge secret with the listeners and you, Thea. For the full scoop, join the Dishing Drama Dana Patreon. The link is in this audio description. It's only $6 a month and you'll get the best information and tea about the things you care about and even the things you don't know you care about. What are you waiting for?